Hello, you good thing, and welcome to this week's episode of the No Wellness Wayne Crew Podcast. I am your co-host, Lindy Cohen, dietitian, nutritionist, and excited for today's topic with my co-host, Jenna DePeace. Hello. Yes, my name is Jenna. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We always love recording these each week for you because there's always new things popping up that we need to chat about in the wellness world. And I've seen this article, and this is not the first time I've heard about Ozempic. I feel like it is everywhere. And I saw an article the other day about um, an Aussie mum who was trying to slim down for a wedding and has started taking Ozempic and has sadly lost her life. And it just made me thinking more about what is what is this Ozempic? And it was her daughter's wedding. I mean, the whole story is just so devastating to me. And we've had this drug, Ozempic, come into the market. And if you don't know what Ozempic is, basically it's a drug that you take via an injection once a week and it suppresses your appetite. Now, the way that it does that is it mimics a hormone. So you've got a few hormones in your body, right, that regulate your hunger and fullness, things like leptin and ghrelin. We talk about those ones a lot. Um, but there's another one called GLP-1, and basically it's mimicking this hormone so it makes you feel full. So it makes it feel like you're not really that hungry. It suppresses appetite. And the way that it kind of does this is it slows gastric emptying. Now, that is a really like fancy way of just saying the food in your stomach goes out at a slower rate, and as a result, you feel fuller for longer. Okay? Right. So people who are taking Ozempic are feeling like they just, I don't know, the way. anytime I've seen someone talk about it, they say it's just like that excitement around food just isn't there anymore. It's like gets a bit, meh, food is just food. It's almost like food becomes fuel. So even if someone's had you know a huge dieting history, they get to the point of much more neutrality around food. Um, and we'll talk about the dangers of how that also goes the, the opposite way. Um, but the other names you would have heard Ozempic under is semeglutide. Semeglutide. I have a really hard time saying that. Semeglutide. Um, and you would have heard the name Wergavi as well, which is kind of the brand name. Now, Ozempic is one type of drug that's been released. At the moment, there are about four other kinds of drugs that kind of work on a similar mechanism for weight loss. Previous weight loss medication was a whole different ball game. Now, you used to have old school weight loss kind of drugs had insane side effects and um, they just were never tolerated well by people. Now, this new wave that, that work, this new wave of weight loss drugs that are working on this GLP-1 hormone kind of regulation, they are seeming to be a little bit more better tolerated than old school weight loss medications. So what? why are these are these? I've heard things about it's it's made for diabetes. Is that what the drug's actually really made for? And then people are just using it for weight loss? Well, it was kind of a bit of a fluke discovery, the impact on weight loss. So first, this drug was created to help people with blood glucose control, of which it is pretty effective at doing that. But they also found that when they were trialing this with people, that weight loss was a side effect of it. And, and so then the pharmaceutical company was like, all right, let's rebrand this and turn it into a weight loss medication. And so there are, it's certainly now being prescribed to people with diabetes, with pre-diabetes. It's also being prescribed to people whose BMI is um, in the obese and above kind of categories. And there is different treatment protocol. So uh, the amount of the, uh, the drug that goes into you differs, whether or not you've got diabetes or you're just being treated for something like trying to lose weight. And the way that it works is, I told you, it's got this this weekly injection that you administer yourself. Yeah, I was going to ask that. You give yourself the needle. 
Yeah, and I've seen videos of people doing it. They really have to like psych themselves up. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've ever done like IVF or something, I feel like you, you know this is no big deal for you. But um, you got to pinch some fat, you got to stick it in, and apparently it's pretty painless. It's not a huge deal, but it's more a bit of a daunting process. So you do that once a week, and then you have that drug in your system for the rest of the week, and. As you're on different protocols, so like a weight loss protocol, it's uh, a different amount of that drug goes into your body each week. So because there are some side effects from doing it, which we are going to talk about, you taper into it. So you have a small dose, small dose, and then you slow, gradually build up your doses, allowing your body hopefully some time to adjust to what is happening to it. And uh, some of those things, what, what is happening to our body, some of those negative side effects is nausea, which is like I uh, apparently the most common complaint from people. Diarrhea is also equally as common. And then for some people, they get things like vomiting as well. So it can get really unpleasant gastrointestinal symptoms as a result of this. And that's quite the norm. This isn't like we're seeing most people kind of tolerating it without those symptoms. No, in this case, most people are having those symptoms from all the reports that I've seen about it. And it's just something that you kind of come to terms with. Perhaps there's like, you know, fluctuations where you have one week where it's, you know, crazy diarrhea, you got to like run to the toilet really quickly. Um, and the nausea can be pretty intense. Now, of course, there's already kind of that natural appetite suppressants that's happening from the chemical, but there's also like, if you feel nauseous, you don't feel like eating. You know, my first trimester of pregnancy, I was so nauseous. I was like, I, don't, I lost weight in that first trimester. And I think that's another thing that's what's kind of contributing to this quick weight loss. So you say an appetite suppressant, and I know in everything we talk about intuitive eating, like your appetite is set to how much food your body actually needs. So you're suppressing it past less calories than your body needs or is it how does that work totally it's exactly what's happening so you're basically dysregulating your ability to tune into your appetite so you cannot really eat intuitively when you are on a drug like Wergovy Ozempic whatever you want to call it um as a result one of the huge things that a lot of doctors are seeing and it's quite problematic is the amount of muscle wasting that is happening so when people are on Ozempic you don't feel like eating so people will say oh instead of having my breakfast I only ate half my breakfast and then I ate the other half for lunch and then I kind of had like a coke and then you know, maybe a few bites of something else. And then I was done for the day. So really low intake of food. And what we're seeing is a much higher rate of muscle wasting. So what we're going to know is like, if someone's losing fat, they're losing a really large proportion of muscle as well. As you lose weight, you might actually be getting fatter and your ratio of fat might be increasing, even though your body mass is shrinking. And I think one of the big issues with this drug, the way that it's, there are many, but one of the issues is the way that FDA works, um, which if you don't know, that's like the governing board in America that controls drugs. They don't actually permit you to use something like a DEXA scan to measure an effectiveness of a drug. Instead, they only use body weight. So DEXA scans that machine that shows your muscle and fat. Indeed, spot. And it tells you um, the weight of your bones. It's basically breaking down your body and giving you a really clear composition of what your body is. Now, when I hop on the scale, if I drink some water or if I have a very low amount of muscle and I'm just, you know, I'm, you know, have a lot of weight on me, it's not going to show me that. So 
two people can have the same body weight, but have very different compositions. One person's got high muscle, uh, lower amount of fat, um, and the other person cannot. And these people, if you just look at body weight, you're going to go, they're the same health. <laughs> you know, that's what the BMI tells us, same amount of healthy, even though we know they are absolutely not. And so this drug to kind of get clearance doesn't go, all right, well, we're, we're leading to muscle wasting and we're leading to fat loss. That was not nearly as important as the fact that like, we're just helping people drop weight. And from an effectiveness perspective, so when we have, uh, you know, we, we know dieting has a very low success rate of helping people lose weight and keeping it off. We know that bariatric surgeries and bypasses and all that stuff, there's a very high rate of helping people lose weight. Certainly with a lot of people, we see uh, people regain weight, a lot of the weight, and some people are able to keep that weight off. This drug is as effective as those operation surgical roots, but with just taking an injection. And so that is, I guess, what is getting everyone so hyped up about it is it's a much less of an intervention than what we've seen before. But I suppose my question would be like with those weight loss surgeries, like ones like with the stomach, like there's not like the, half of their stomach or more than half of their, their stomach is gone. They can't get it back. Whereas can they just stop taking the injections and then their appetite would come back and everything would go back to normal? Totally. So there's like the impermanence of this as a solution, as opposed to having to go through a surgery, which is a big deal, incredibly expensive, requiring a lot of surgeons, nurses, and and care staff as well, uh, versus something like this, which is something that you can administer by yourself and have your healthcare professionals supporting you from the outside. I suppose with all of these diets, when you are doing things that so heavily impact your appetite, are we seeing people staying on drugs like Ozempic until they can't handle the side effects anymore and then going off and then having more problems with their appetite like you do when you've been on dieting and you're so out of touch with your appetite? I think this is the crux of what gets me about Ozempic is firstly, we do not know long-term what's going to happen to people's bodies. There is some early research that says that it can lead to kidney failure in some people and be, you know, have some serious side effects like this lady who's passed away, which as I said, makes me feel so sad. And so we do not know what is going to happen long-term. And uh, the strategy is, do you have to then take Ozempic for the rest of your life um, cycle in and on Ozempic? Is it worth it for some people? The side effects, the nausea, the diarrhea, the vomiting, uh, it's a pretty extreme and hard way to live. Not only that, if you have a history of disordered eating, and this is very important, and I would say that most people do have a history of disordered eating. We know that 80% of women do. And most people who are in the position to be prescribed Ozempic probably I would say would fall into that bucket. Going through this journey can be really triggering for your eating disorder voice. And it gets really latched onto this weight loss, the comments from people. uh, And in a way, it's almost like you're willing to sacrifice so much of your life to lose weight. And I, and I'm not here to judge anyone because sometimes you do get to a point where you go, I've tried everything and I've got diabetes and I know what my, my family history looks like. And I don't want to go down that way. And so I've never been one to say that there is only one way to be healthy. I just think that if you go, if you're listening to this podcast, there is a chance that you fall into that disordered eating bucket and to go on a drug like Ozempic without 
seeking treatment for disordered eating first, and I'm talking about one-on-one support with a psychologist, with a dietitian, someone who's going to help you with your relationship with food, that is an essential thing to do. It might mean that you don't ever need Ozempic. It might mean that even if you're doing Ozempic, that you go, I'm going to do this in tandem. So by the time I get to the point that I have lost weight, I'm not going to still have the, all the problems that have led me to get to this point. And I hate how often with, you know, bariatric surgery or something like Ozempic, it so often feels to me like we're slapping a Band-Aid on a headache. Like it's just, it feels like we are not treating the actual problem and it really gets to me. So we really need to get to the crux of how we got ourselves into this position um, and healing ourselves from all that dieting BS. Because I suppose it's the same, like I know when I when I was about 17, I lost 20 kilograms just through dieting. And I remember when I lost 20 kilograms, I still felt overweight because I wasn't happy with my body and I had done none of that work. And then that is what kind of resulted me in eventually putting on weight again because I hadn't, I, I, I was still, never forget it to the day I die that I felt no different at X weight and 20 kilograms lighter because I had just been dieting and I had done nothing different. So I suppose it's the same thing. If you take any weight loss drug or start any protocol, when you are still disordered in the way you look at your body and your food, nothing will change. Even when you are at the goal weight, you think you want, because by the time you get to that goal weight, it's not going to be the goal weight you think will make you happy. I think so. Okay. It begs the question of why are we chasing this as well? Why are we chasing this weight loss? Potentially your doctor is saying to you, listen, I'm looking at your bloods and it's looking like we need to make some changes here. And, you know, I I wonder, have you tried all the options? I I do think Ozempic is that last resort. And I think there's a lot of people who are going, I've tried lots of diets and they've all failed me. I still think there is a middle ground where you're going, I'm working on my relationship with food. And, And that takes a long time, I know. And that's tricky before we're kind of getting to that point of going, okay, fine, let's let's give the Ozempic a go. There's also a bunch of people who are really slim who are getting Ozempic. And I think this is part of what the controversy is about is there were shortages in in the initial stages, preventing people who had diabetes from getting the medication, preventing people who uh, perhaps genuinely needed the medication from getting it. And it was a bit of a privilege problem. I think that those shortages have been rectified. Um, but I think that will still be an ongoing problem where we're seeing people with eating disorders seeking out Ozempic for no reason, no like health reason that they need it, but purely because they'd like to be skinny. And would there be any people who are on Ozempic and there's reasons why like it wouldn't, they wouldn't be losing weight? Like, is it always like a, it's going to just drop or is it also to do with what the person's doing? I think there are some people who it doesn't lead to as fast weight loss as it does for other people. I don't know the reason for that. No idea. And some people, the weight comes off really quickly. Some people, the symptoms are so extreme. And for some people, regardless of whether or not they've got a lowered appetite, still continue to eat. Because I suppose that's also like in your like binge eating and you have that frame of mind, you're not hungry. So it's, you're just eating because it's the motion. So sometimes it didn't matter if your appetite was so stuffed, you felt sick, you, you would still keep eating. Totally. So if that's still the, your way of coping with hard things, then you still resort to that emotional eating it's not going to have an impact on your weight. The way this drug works is it does require you to eat less as a result of you not being hungry. And that's the mechanism, similar to if you had a gastric bypass or those kinds of surgeries. Uh, Back to this whole muscle wasting thing. I want to say muscle wasting, it means like losing muscle. 
One of the challenges as well, so let's say you've got this really lowered appetite, food is very uninteresting to you, but you still have the exact same protein requirements that you did before to maintain your muscle mass. Now, the last thing you feel like eating is some bloody chicken or like eggs or tofu when you've got no appetite. It's really, that's a real struggle, but you need to be getting your protein in and it's absolutely important. It becomes your most important macronutrient so that we don't lose all that muscle. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges is how do you get someone who does not feel like eating to get a nutritionally balanced meal at all, you know, all the important junctions that are giving them all the micronutrients, all the macronutrients. Uh, so getting enough carbs, healthy fats and protein for their body to thrive. And I, I hate this idea in the health world, like we're willing to sacrifice so much health to reach this kind of goal weight. And it just, it really kills me when we, when we do stuff like that. Um, you know, someone might come into the end of their ozempic journey and be like so deficient in so many nutrients and lacking in protein and having lost all this muscle. And so if you are going, I'm considering doing ozempic, I am on ozempic. What I really want you to do is prioritize protein as think of it as medicine. You know, I rarely think of food as medicine, but in this case, think of it as like, this is just what needs to get in and being a little bit prepared. So just having those options, you know, it could be something like barbecue chicken and you just have that in the fridge and you just go, you know, what? if I'm going to eat, I'm going to eat that. If you're going to eat your meal, eat your protein first, you know, prioritize that over the other stuff. Um, you need to speak to your doctor about what other kinds of multivitamins you might need to be taking, uh, so that we're not ending up deficient. The other thing you absolutely need to be doing is hydrating. So let's say you have chronic diarrhea, a very normal side effect of Ozempic. The amount of liquid you are losing from your body is wild. People report that they feel really tired and fatigued. And yes, if you are barely eating, you're going to feel tired and fatigued. And if you're dehydrated, you're going to feel tired and fatigued. Ozempic may also impact your sleep patterns for some people, finding it hard to fall asleep. There's been some reports of impacts to your mental well-being. So some people reporting anxiety, um, suicidal ideation in some cases. So this drug is not for everyone. And there is a whole host of crazy side effects. And I think everyone's running to praise this drug as like this big solution, this like incredible panacea that's going to fix everything. But I think the skeptic in me, and I, I'm actually not a hugely skeptical kind of person, but I do feel a little bit hesitant about everyone rushing to get on this medication. I, what I will tell you is this is just the start of a whole new wave of weight loss drugs. This is like you know, with chat GPT, like the world's changing with AI, it's changing. It's changing here as well. So there will be multiple versions that come afterwards. In fact, there is a new kind of Ozempic that's come out that's shown to be more effective than Ozempic at weight loss. So <laughs> I'm not saying wait for those drugs, but I am also saying don't rush. Don't go, let's just jump on this bandwagon. There is time to work on your relationship with food. In fact, it's what I think everyone should be doing and focusing on. This is a big deal taking a drug like this. Don't take it lightly. I really want you to be really mindful of this decision. Speak to your doctor. And just one more note on that. I think doctors are willy-nilly prescri prescribing this drug. They're just handing it out like candy. And I, I just want you to be really trusting of your healthcare professional. Remember weight stigma, uh, fat phobia exists everywhere. It's, it's very deeply ingrained in our culture and our doctors are not immune to it. In fact, I'd say they're probably a bit more highly affected than most people. So really you have to have a trusting relationship with your doctor and ask yourself, why am I doing this? Do you think that it's that eating disorder voice inside of you going, 
it would be nice to lose weight. Like the lady who we started the story with, who just wanted to lose some weight so she could be skinnier at her daughter's wedding. And now she's not going to be able to go to her daughter's wedding. So just really think about, is this your eating disorder speaking? I think it's such a good conversation to start having, especially you're right. I don't think this is just the beginning of these type of drugs. And it is such a good time now than ever if they are coming to try to work on that relationship with food and your body so you are more prepared if you do decide one day that that is something you would like to do. If you found today's episode useful, we would so love if you could give us a rating wherever you listen to your podcast. It's a really kind thing you can do for us that really ensures that we can create better and better content on this podcast and keep this podcast going. Because sometimes they go, who's listening? Are you there? Leave a rating and that way I'll know that you're there. Share this episode with anyone who you think might find it helpful. And please tell your friends about No Wellness Wankery. Hey, I've got a question for you. Does binge eating feel like your dirty secret? And are you sick of trying to be good, but falling off the bandwagon and losing control around food? If so, I can help. Binge Free Academy teaches you how to beat binge eating and feel in control around food giving you doable evidence-based strategies. You'll get lifetime access to 30 practical step-by-step video lessons, 12 group coaching calls with me, and become part of my Binge Free Academy community for life. As a recovered binge eater, I get it. I know there's no quick fix or one-stop shop for binge eating. And so that's why I want to give you the ongoing support and care you need and deserve. And I'm so confident it will help you that I'm offering you a 30-day money-back guarantee. So no risk or reward. You can take control over your food and your life. And I think it's the best investment you'll ever make towards reclaiming your life, your health, and your happiness. To learn more about Binge Free Academy, you can click the link in the show notes or go to lindycohen.com slash binge-free-academy.